Parrot Productions presents The Man in the Grey Coat by David Elder. It's 1933. Charlie is bored doing low-level police work in sleepy Cheltenham. But then he's given the opportunity to work on a secret surveillance mission monitoring the poet Cecil Day-Lewis, who's suspected of being an active member of the Communist Party. Will this be the big career breakthrough that Charlie's been looking for? And will Cecil be tempted to start some sort of revolutionary activity in the town? Hello, mate. How's it going? <laughs> Here, you'll never guess what. Just been assigned to this special operation. Bit of cloak and dagger. All very hush-hush. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'd have to shoot you if I told you any more. <laughs> yeah, well, finally hoping this is it. My big breakthrough. Honestly. I said to my super, I've added up to here with all them cases of missing cats and dogs. You know, yesterday I was dealing with this old biddy who swore on the Bible she were burgled until I found her purse had fallen down the back of the sofa. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Give me strength. That's Cheltenham Spa for you. Hmm. I'm back home on the 12th, mate. Yeah, let's have a few beers then. Be in touch. See ya. <sighs> 1.23pm. Not a bleeding sausage. Oh, I mean, nothing to report. Cool, blimey. It's like watching paint dry, literally. He's been whitewashing them walls all morning. Oh, please, give us a bit of action. Not sure I can stick this surveillance malarkey. Go on. Tell the super. He's got to transfer you. Pronto. Back to the big smoke. Hello. What's all this? 
bit of an argy bargy. A green shirt, for goodness sake! Ouch! Bloody roses! Cecil, what? Why did you slam the door? This blinking shirt, that's what. I washed it yesterday and sewed on the button. I know. I don't bother ironing your painting clothes. I don't want you to. So what's the matter? It's not the shirt, it's them. Them? The college authorities. They're always breathing down my neck. It seems the deputy head just happened to be passing. <clears throat> A word in your ear, Lewis. Tut tut, man. He said, fingering my green shirt. This really won't do. What won't do? Apparently the wearing of green shirts in private gardens, at least those near the college, is considered a sin. <laughs> Seriously? He then proceeded to give me a lecture about how someone in my position might be viewed by a passing parent or schoolboy. I was sure he was going to give me detention or a thousand lines. I was all ready to start chanting, I must not wear a green shirt on Sundays while whitewashing the walls of my house. But the little toad turned his pompous fat nose away and headed toward the chapel. Oh, Cecil, I did warn you about taking this job. Yes, all right. But I'm not going to give up just yet. Come on, let's put the kettle on. Ah! What? A man! In the garden! There! Where? But by the roses. Well, I can't see anything. He was wearing a grey coat. Well, it's certainly been cold and damp lately. Oh, Cecil, can't you take anything seriously? Well, he's probably another spy sent by the college authorities. Are you going to look for him? No. Well, don't you want some tea? I'm going to finish the painting. And I might paint my shirt while I'm at it. Phew. Close shave, that. She definitely spotted me, but not sure he did. Give it an hour or so, and the coast should be clear. Right. Where's me pencil? Oh. Here we go. So, what have we got so far? Cecil Day-Lewis. Five feet eight inches. Wears a flat cap. A poet. One of the best, so they say. Working as an English teacher. Strong leftist. Possibly an active member of the Communist Party. <laughs> oh, Annie wears a dodgy green shirt. Married to Mary, housewife. No kids. Hmm. He doesn't sound like a threat to national security. Oh, but there again, if our friends think he might be, well, who knows? Stranger things have happened. Very flat, I thought. Oh, I don't know. 
not sing from the heart. Well, they had me in tears. Really? <laughs> it's the Bolshevik Cecil. They've been brainwashing you. All those anthems. That's all you play now. They're wonderful tunes. Stirring. And they speak for the future. None of this I vow to thee, ye old, decrepit British Empire. But Cecil, you love Holst. I still do. It's just the words I detest and all the baggage that goes with them. Come on. Time to drink up before they throw us out. You're embarrassing. No, you're embarrassing me. Seven forty-seven p.m. Oh, sound of Russian music emanating from subject's living room. The party, the party, marks an our great Stalin towards the road of freedom. Stalin, Stalin. Stop it! Don't mark. That's not fair. Well, have you read the papers lately? Don't believe everything you read. Oh, Cecil, you know politics bore me. But the man's a murderer. There won't be anyone left alive after he's finished with them. He's a good leader. A great one. He's keeping the fascists at bay and stopping the poor from starving to death. <sighs> you mean those who haven't been sent to the Gulag? Did you know? The Soviet Union comprises 130 different nations. They all speak different languages, but all live in peace and harmony. Isn't that what we need in Europe now, after the war that was supposed to end all wars? Well, I'm sorry, but I still have an uneasy feeling about Mr. Stalin. Oh, come on, now let's turn that off. No, I'm enjoying this. Whatever will the neighbours think? Mary! <coughs> Do you by any chance have the latest collection by Mr. C. Day-Lewis? Hmm. Yes, we do. They've been selling like hot cakes. But we should have one or two left. Here you are. That'll be one and six, sir. So, you think it's time to use the knife, do you? One, two, three, four, five times you use the word in the first two pages. <laughs> and I always thought poets just wrote about red roses and sweet nothings. Whoa, oh, here he wants to. Well, should I jot this down? Get rid of all the wealth getters and remove the cancer that's been festering away in our nation for years. Bloody dynamite, this. Can't wait for our friends to read this. Kettle's just boiled. Barbara tells me your book's doing amazingly well. It's created quite a buzz in the promenade cafes. Oh, I'm not... not so sure. Cecil, can't you just give yourself a pat on the back for once? You're making poetry popular again. I didn't think that could be possible. Yes, but all the feedback I get is, you know, great imagery, beautifully crafted themes and all that twaddle. Well, isn't it? Technically superb? But I don't want them to treat it as an intellectual exercise. I want them to react and do something. Oh, Cecil, people love what you write and how you write it. 
Most writers would give their right teeth for any of the success you've achieved. And what about all the other feedback, hmm? The greatest man in England? Oh, embarrassing to the extreme. I don't know why he came out with that. Well, he certainly meant it sincerely. And, as a well-known officer and diplomat, his views are widely respected. All right, I respect Lawrence, but I envy him even more. He's one of the few who's actually led a proper revolution. Oh, come on, Cecil. You're not going to lead us into revolution like Lawrence did in Arabia. <laughs> no, no, not on a camel's back. I mean, you are joking, aren't you? You can just as well start a revolution with a pen as with a sword. Look at what Marx and Engels have achieved. If I write it, it will happen. I know it. But people aren't looking for change. They're just busy getting on with their lives. Not the working classes, though. Anyway, people are sick and tired about how capitalism has failed them again and again, right from the end of the war. And they're terrified about fascism and what Mr Hitler might do next. Oh, Cecil, I much prefer you in your green shirt painting our house, rather than putting on a red one. Very funny. Come on, let's go and paint the town red. We've a lot to celebrate. Not just your incredible book sales. You're not. You, you don't mean... I, why didn't you tell me? I didn't want to take anything away from your fantastic success. Oh, come here. You'll never guess what I've just been writing about. I mean, literally, yesterday. Collective farms? <laughs> Birth, advent... And a new life. I'm going to be a father, a father. <laughs> and so perhaps the revolution will have to wait a bit. <laughs> perhaps it will. The worst thing about this spine is all the bleeding paperwork. Oh, never my strong point. Still, great feedback from our friends. Impressed they were, I bought his book and discovered they're starting a family, etc. Who knows? If I play me cards right, might be in line for that promotion. Sergeant Charlie Foster. <laughs> yeah, sounds like the part. Cool, blimey. He's still up there. Wish he'd give it a rest. He's up to something. I can smell it. Just wish he'd give me some sleep. Cecil, quick! What's wrong? He was here again. That man, I saw him. You sure it was him? What, the man in the grey coat? He was rummaging through our bin. He ran away when I spotted him. Cecil, I'm frightened. Who is he? What does he want? Did he take anything? Just bits of waste paper, I think. Where are you going? Cecil, be careful! Just leave us alone, will you? Cecil, are you all right? Your cheek is bleeding. It's nothing. I don't think our man in the grey coat will be coming back any time soon. Well, I have to say he gives as good as he gets. Not bad for a poet. Let's hope it was worth a black eye. 
Wow. Exhibit A, Your Honour, is a draft letter to the local press in which the subject of interest speaks of his desire to eradicate the monarchy. Exhibit B is an envelope from the Communist Party of Great Britain addressed to the subject of interest. Bloody treasure. Pure gold dust. Mary? What? Where's that letter that came on Tuesday? In the bureau. You sure? Yes, it should be loose in the top drawer. I threw away the envelope. Got it. I see it's Comrade now. Oh, I hate all that. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, Comrade Cecil. Sometimes they call me Comrade Cheltenham. Apparently, I'm the only active member they've got for miles around. So you're organising a big event on the promenade? I don't know how they wrote me into it. I don't remember volunteering. So the revolution starts next week? Ha ha. Maybe the week after, if I don't die of embarrassment first. How many are you expecting? Well, we'd like a few thousand at least, but the way this is being promoted, we'll probably end up with just me and the party secretary, both making fools of ourselves. Ouch! I wish they'd prune these damn roses. Oh, bloody marvellous. So we have potentially thousands of commies coming to this rally next week. Precisely when, our friends say, the King is making a surprise visit to the races. Keep calm, Charlie. Keep calm. Think, man. What's wrong? Who is she? What do you mean? Don't play games, Cecil. Who is she? Where did you get that? Who is she, Cecil? That's Sarah. You look on very friendly terms with Sarah. Look, how did you get that photograph? Who is Sarah? I've told you about her before. She's the party secretary. I was just helping her with her luggage. The secretary? Oh, so she's one of your comrades. Or is she a friend? I assumed the secretary was a man. You've always just talked about the secretary. So what difference does it make? And where did you get this photograph? She's young and blonde and people talk. Especially when your wife is pregnant. Or haven't you noticed? I was just helping her with her luggage. She must have slipped or something and I caught her in my arms for a split second. I can't remember. You can't remember. Well, the two of you look very happy, I must say. Mary, look, how did you get this? It just came through the letterbox in a brown envelope. What? Just like that? Yes. Maybe someone was just tipping me off before the whole neighbourhood finds out. Mary, look, there's nothing going on. Whoever took this is trying to stir up trouble, and it looks like they're succeeding. Well, the photograph certainly put the cat among the pigeons. 
Not sure if it will be enough to disrupt things, though. Oh, I do like good fireworks. Way. Hmm. What if? Or, oh, I don't know. I just need more time. But you ain't got it, you idiot. The king's coming, and that's that. Just keep calm. Easy does it. Think, man. Your career's in your hands. Worst case, no promotion. No. Worst case, the king gets attacked by a bunch of commies. <gasps> I'm just popping out to post this letter. All right. Mr. Day-Lewis? Oh, if it isn't the man in the grey coat. Sir. So you're a policeman, are you? I'm arresting you. Or do you really work for MI5? I couldn't possibly comment, sir. But I'm arresting you on suspicion of sedition. Sedition, indeed. You do not have to say anything. But it may arm your defence if you do not mention when questioned something which you later rely on in court. Well, all I can say is you're making one hell of a mistake. Hello, mate. How's it going? Oh, not so good. Yeah? You saw it? Wow. Live and learn. No. I thought he was posting his plan, you know, to start a revolutionary riot. But it flipping well proved to be his resignation letter from the bleeding Communist Party. <laughs> Can't win them all, eh? Mind you, my super, he took me to the bloody cleaners. Now put me on the world's worst beat. Oh. I don't even get bloody missing cats and dogs. Yeah, well, meanwhile, Day-Lewis, or should I call him Nicholas Blake, he's now part of the bleeding establishment, working for the British government and writing all them Nigel Strangeway stories Britain's favourite detective, bloody blah. Thing is, I've still got an inkling. A lot of low-level stuff, you know. I never reported. Calls he made late at night, visits to park benches, all that sort of stuff. And it just doesn't add up. Yeah, well. Yeah. He wouldn't be the first to pull the wool over our eyes, would he? Listen, mate. If something happens to me... <sighs> yeah, I know. Reading too many Nigel Strangeway stories, aren't I? Look. There's a pile of stuff under the floorboards in my shed. Yeah, yeah. That's it. 
in a metal black box. Darling, can you pick up the prescription for me? Yes, all right. Just give me five minutes. Oh, there you are. I thought you'd finished it. I'm writing another one now. Ooh, yet another case solved by the great gentleman detective. Actually, not a Nigel Strangeways. It's a spy thriller this time. Ooh, different. Ooh, is that why you brought this book about poisons? <laughs> yes, must do the right background research. The story's called The Man in the Grey Coat. What? Well, much more convincing if I can write from my own experience. Yes, but, uh, but I'd rather not think of that creepy man again. Ah, but here's the best bit. I can decide what to do with him in the end. <laughs> Hopefully he'll suffer in hell. <laughs> or I could send him to an early grave. He definitely deserves something like a sudden heart attack. Mm. You know, I think I might enjoy this story after all. <laughs> I better get writing then. Strange. I was fine first thing. Hello? Ambulance? Yeah, emergency. I think I might be having an heart attack or something. The Man in the Grey Coat was written and directed by David Elder and produced by Parrot Productions. The Policeman Charlie was played by Edward Derbyshire. Cecil Day-Lewis was played by James Renard and Mary Day-Lewis by Claire Tucker. Sound was by David Holland with thanks to the Cotswold Listener Studios. Music was composed by Jim Barn. The Gustav Holst music, I Vow to Thee My Country, was arranged by Paul Ayres and performed under licence by the Reading Phoenix Choir. Parrot Productions are grateful to the Cheltenham Arts Council for their generous financial support. The image used in the poster was designed by Sarah Harvey of Artworks. Further thanks to Marianne Gaston and Annette Holland. <laughs>